Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. Good morning. So a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, I had a conversation on the podcast around neurodivergence and money. And I was joined by a friend of mine, Crystal McGilvery, who is a behavioral finance specialist. She studies how we make our financial decisions, the mental rigmaroles that we often go through, and how it impacts our psychology, right? Very, very important and actually very, very fascinating subject. Now, in that episode, I said this. And what I will do is um, I'm going to take a dyslexia test because I'll be interested to know. And I'll let you guys know the results of it on the pod once I've taken it to say, I don't know if it's a yes or no, I don't know. We'll find out. Now, I have since taken the dyslexia test. And this is what this episode is all about. Because as it turns out, I am mildly dyslexic. And I'm finding this out at 43 years old. Now, for any of you who may be watching this on YouTube, and by the way, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or whatever the podcast outlets uh, you're listening at, you can also go and watch this. You can hear me run through this conversation um, and get, I guess, my expressions because I am a little perplexed still. Um, at the results of this. And in this episode, I kind of want to give you maybe a little bit of a background as to why and how we got here. I do want to talk about the test that I took. I took it online. It was actually quite, it was quite in depth, actually, to be filmed. I was surprised. It took about an hour or so. And I do want to talk about the actual results and maybe my, my thought process. Uh, because I think the biggest thing for me is trying to make sense of, well, I'm finding this out when I'm 43 years old. Does it really make any difference? And part of me feels like there's nothing to fix. There's nothing I can do. But knowing this now, it's probably a good thing. The big question is, would would I have been better positioned to deal with this if I'd known earlier? I guess that's the question I'm not going to be able to answer but it has been running through my head. And so let's look, let's talk about the background to this. So I mentioned it in the episode with Crystal. I recently recorded the audio version of my book. And um, that was that was harder than I thought it was going to be. It was three full days. And whilst the book is about money and finances. I definitely didn't want it to be boring. I wanted to have my enthusiasm, my personality come through in the reading. But I found that reading it was very, very, very difficult. It was a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. And that was because naturally my brain, when I'm reading text, skips ahead. It doesn't It doesn't go word for word and, and follow it in a transitional manner like I guess normally pe- normal people do. I skip ahead. I pick words and I formulate the sentence in my head. And that's that was made even worse in the fact that I, I'm the one who wrote the book. So I knew what I was saying, but I wasn't really recounting what was on page. And so that was really, really challenging over the course of three days. The other instance where I knew that this was something that maybe I needed to have a look at was, you know, I do steps back lunch and I have been doing step back lunch now for, since summer last year. Um, and on the show every week, I will read something off the teleprompter as we as we go through the show. 
And that used to always, it still does. It still just fills me with like this, oh, don't mess it up, don't mess it up. So what I'd rather do is memorize it, deliver it to camera, um, and opposed to having to read it. I get nervous, right? Because again, my brain kind of skips ahead and tries to formulate, and I don't want to be not saying the right thing on, on air, live on air, right? Because it's a live show. And so it was a combination of these two things. I was like, okay, maybe I need to kind of, I need to have this checked out. And taking the test today, so the test um, was broken into uh, six sections. So you had vocabulary, memory, sequencing, visual skills, verbal skills, and processing skills. Six, six areas specifically. Like I said, this took like an hour to complete online. Cost about £35 roughly to complete. All right. Now, I score well in some areas. I score poorly in other areas. And taking you through this, I think, would be beneficial just to see how I actually score. So what I want to do is just share my screen. And you won't be able to see this if you're listening to this episode on Spotify or Apple. But you will be able to see this on YouTube. So again, jump over to the YouTube channel so you can see what I'm talking about here. But I think it's quite important just to share what my overall score was, and then I'll get into the basic elements which break down how I've come out. So this is my my overall score, the indicators of dyslexia. I come out mild, which means essentially that there are some areas that I performed well in and others that I didn't. And again, those six areas that they scored on were vocabulary, memory, sequencing, visual skills, verbal skills, and processing skills. So in my report, it says, in conclusion, your performance on the quick screen test displays mild dyslexia, mild, mild indicators of dyslexia due to a slight difficulty with memory skills and a slight difficulty with sequencing skills relative to your other results. In contrast, performance on vocabulary is in the high average range and visual skills is in the high average range and verbal skills is in the average range. It is noted that you've reported lifelong difficulties with aspects of literacy, which I which I absolutely have. This is how um, it's actually broken down. So when we look at um, processing skills and that profile specifically, it's broken down into about seven kind of like sections. So in reading speed, I'm average, okay? In comprehension, I'm high average. Typing speed, I'm average memory span, I'm average. Where I excel in the processing skills profile of this test is I excel in the accuracy of recall and spelling. So they have an exercise in there where they narrate something that you have to then retype. I actually did very, very well with that. I can recall information pretty well. Spelling, I'm okay. Punctuation, I'm actually high average. But in accuracy of recall and spelling, this test put me above average. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that the bars here are pretty high up. They're pretty cool. Makes me feel good. It does make me feel good. The other area, which is broken down into six sections, which is my learning profile, and it's broken into vocabulary, memory, sequencing, visual skills, verbal skills, processing skills. Now, in vocabulary, I'm high average. Memory, I'm average. Where I really struggle is sequencing. Now, sequencing in the sequencing test, it kind of um, gave you, it was broken down into a couple of sections, actually. There was an, a number sequencing. So repeat the numbers uh, in their order and then backwards. I did 
poorly with that. And throughout my adult life, really, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, I would always get numbers back to front, right? So if I had uh, a five, nine, six, seven, eight, two, I would, I would mix up two numbers in that sequence and put them one either before the other or, or vice versa. And so I was always incorrect. And I noticed that, like physically noticed that I would consistently get that wrong. So unless I wrote something down, I couldn't be confident that I could be able to recall that properly. And just other things around the sequencing in terms of like you read a long package, passage, trying to make sense of it specifically, that sometimes I struggled with a little bit. Visual skills, I'm high average, just about high average. Verbal skills, I'm average. Then processing skills, I'm kind of high average in, in that in the in the learning profile that they scored me on and and again this is very very interesting because like i said the overall diagnosis or the overall test result is that i have mild dyslexia now i think that brings us on to probably the most important part of this whole entire conversation is you know what are my thoughts on this um and to be honest i don't know i think i think that um i'm finding this out when i'm much, much older, right? I'm finding this out at 43 years old. So if this, if this was something that I found out when I was like 18, 19, 17, would it have made a difference? I don't know that it would have. I mean, certainly in the era in which I grew up, um, would I have had the appropriate or the relevant interventions in school to help me cope better? I mean, in school, I did I did sciences. I did physics, chemistry, biology, agricultural science, geography. I did reasonably well. The one subject that I really struggled with was mathematics, apart from one year where I did really, really well because the teacher was, she was fit. Um, she was, <laughs> she was pretty hot and um, she was very enthusiastic about mathematics. All the other years I was, I was really, really poor. Now, for those of you who might be watching and listening, listening to this, you may be thinking, well, actually maths, finances, money, those things are intrinsically linked, right? And to a certain degree, they are. Well, we had a conversation on this podcast with Bobby Siegel about uh, numeracy and finance and the fact that Richie Sunak was speaking of extending um, numeracy for two years to try and help students be better. And I, the question was, does that make does that make any difference? The reality is, I believe that if we're going to talk about numeracy and literacy from a financial point of view, we need to have specific financial skills being taught in school. But that doesn't take away from the fact that a lot of people will look at money and mathematics because with money, you're dealing with numbers. And if you're struggling with numbers or you have difficulty learning with numbers like I, like I did, then potentially that barrier means that you, can't you don't necessarily interact with money in the most positive way. Now, when I think about it in that way, has it affected my relationship with money? I don't think that it has in the way that you think that it would. What do I mean by that? So if I recant all of my financial woes, all of my financial troubles, it's been through a lack of understanding, a lack of um, education, really. Um, if I go back to it and I, I, I talk about this in the book, by the way, which you can, um, order, um, on Amazon right now, it comes up next Thursday. I talk about the fact that the one big catalyst for me 
being really horrible with money and, and struggling with debt for 15 years was the fact that I couldn't budget. Now, there is a numeracy element to budget budgeting, but I was never taught how that worked in the first place. I've always been okay with basic basic numeracy, basic calculations, right? You talk about the, the nine times tables and, and doing all those things. Could I do it offhand? Nine times nine? Yes, I can. Nine times seven? Maybe not. I couldn't. But I learned very, very useful skills in school to help you do that on your fingers, right? Um, and so I don't think the mathematical element has impacted me at all in terms of interfacing with numbers. I don't think that's impacted me and my decision-making process when it came to to finances specifically. And finding this out now, I have mixed emotions, if I'm completely honest. I, 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 I'm still trying to process this. And I'm sure in later episodes of the podcast, as I kind of make sense of this, we'll, we'll talk more about maybe interventions. Now, the great thing about this test that I did take is that it actually gives you suggestions of things to perhaps bear in mind. So note taking, for example, or giving yourself uh, more time to process information. And I think that that's really, really important, particularly when you start getting into the topics that we talk about often here on the podcast and, and on YouTube, over on YouTube, where we talk about investing. Some of those topics can be quite dense. They can be quite detail-oriented. And so giving yourself enough time to be able to digest that information, take that information in without rushing or putting pressure on yourself. And this is where patience probably comes into the equation as well. No, but but behind it all, it's all about understanding and knowing yourself. I think one of the things that this will definitely do for me, which will be positive, is it helps me make sense of some of the struggles that I had already identified were a thing anyway. And what that basically means is that I will further adjust to suit the situation that I find myself in with this mild dyslexia diagnosis. Is it going to change anything for me drastically? No, it won't. And I don't think that if you've struggled or are struggling with dyslexia, whether that this would necessarily impact you or change anything to a significant degree for you. What I do think, though, is that you will find natural mechanisms to help you cope. And when I think about um, my learning style, you know, for example, I come up high average on visual skills, and I know that I'm a very visual learner. So when I do talks and I do presentations, my talks are always very visual. Now, that is before I knew that I had a, a, a dyslexia diagnosis. I was mildly dyslexic, right? You want to call it di dyslexic um, diagnosis. I was mildly dyslexic. So maybe that has been something that I've naturally um, compensated for personally in my own learning journey and that's translated into what I do now but I feel that even when I you know look at my personal finances for example right my budgeting is done from an excel sheet it, so it's visual it's it's there in front of me right and I think you will find your own way of dealing with these things but I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from this is the fact that now I know I know it kind of makes sense. It all kind of falls into place and I can I can I can feel this click. Like, oh yeah. Actually, yeah, that does make sense. Oh, that would be why. 
I feel that click. What I do from here, though, is going to be interesting because is there anything for me to change? There isn't anything for me to change. Um, there isn't anything at all for me to change. But I think it's definitely given me awareness. And I think a lot of the time we just need to be aware of the challenges that we face or the things that have impacted the way we deal with things and not just money. This goes far beyond money. And particularly because we're talking about dyslexia and dyslexia is all about learning. So it's all about, you know, that process of assimilating information. This will apply to your workplace. This will apply to education. If you're, if you're studying right now, knowing is really, really important. And so look, I will, I will give, I'll put the link to the quick screen dyslexia test, which I took. Um, I'll leave that in the description on YouTube. And I'll also put it on the show notes uh, of the pod if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. And if you think that, you know, you want to take the test, you're curious, by all means, go do this. It's it's actually very, very good. The report that you get um, when you complete the test is it's eight pages long. And it's actually quite, actually, no, sorry, I lie. It's 10 pages long. And it's quite detailed in terms of breaking down um, the aspects of the test. And it gives you suggested guidance for future action. So I'm going to pour over the details and see what I can take and what I can implement to make my life a little bit easier. Certainly from a professional point of view, because of doing some TV work and hopefully I continue to do some TV work. So the other thing that I would just mention here is, and this again was a surprise. So on on the element of the test, so let me just go back up to this. I'm when it comes to spelling, I'm I'm above average on spelling. Um, even though I'm mildly dyslexic, apparently. And I'm high average on punctuation. And I probably would have scored higher in punctuation, but in the section of the test where I was it was a spoken um, passage and you had to type in what you, what you, what you heard. I didn't necessarily take the time to do the punctuation. So I probably could have been a little bit higher on the punctuation. And that does translate very, very directly to the book because writing the book, it's a weird thing. I'm mildly dyslexic, but I've written a book and I've got a book out. That's a little jarring for me. Actually, that's really, really jarring for me, actually. Um, and I, I guess I, I do want to close this and just say, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in school or you're listening to this and you have a, you're a parent, you have a child who is, who is mildly dyslexic or struggling with dyslexia, please don't let this be a crutch. Please don't let this be a crutch. Because as we spoke about with Crystal on that podcast episode about neurodivergence and money, you know, Crystal also has dyslexia but she's got phd she's got masters you have to understand how it manifests for you and then find the coping mechanism and i think that's really really important for for young people coming up who may be struggling with this like fair enough i'm finding this out at 43 but i have my book out next thursday i have done some pretty awesome things in my career there are some very very successful famous people i think Lord Sugar is a prime example of someone who is dyslexic, who have done mightily well in life. And I think it's really, really important to, to bear that in mind. Um, does this make this a little bit more special? It makes it more of an, an achievement for me personally, 
knowing that I've got a mild dyslexia um, diagnosis and I've got a book out, I mean, definitely, it, it, it is most definitely, it makes it more special for me. But I, I like I said, I do want to leave this on a positive note. I'm still going to digest this. I've not really fully come to terms. I'm still kind of like, huh? Um, but again, it's clicked. Please don't let this be your crutch if you have um, have this. If you're curious, do take this test. I encourage you to. Um, it might click for you. Um, but the suggested section on the report is is very, very useful. I'm going to pour over that. Hopefully, there'll be some bits and pieces in there that will be useful for you as well. Um, but the book is out on Thursday next week. I am super, 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 super excited. If you've not ordered your copy, then go grab one right now. There is going to be a link in the show notes to that. And um, if you do want to um, get a signed copy of the book, I am having a book launch slash signing event on March 25th. It's going to be in London. It's in central London. It's on New Oxford Street. You come out of Tottenham Court Road Station. I'm going to be in the Halifax branch uh, on uh, New Oxford Street. Uh, We're doing this book signing slash launch event from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. You'll get to meet me. We can take some pictures. We'll do a bit of a talk. Um, There will be refreshments, some drinks, some coffees, and all some good stuff there. Um, Come along and get a signed copy of the book. I will leave a link specifically to that in the show notes. Actually, for this episode, I will leave a link to that in the show notes. There are limited tickets. If you're in London, please come along. I would love to meet you. Also, if you have already pre-ordered the book on Amazon, by then you should already have your copy. So if you have already bought your book and you want your copy signed, turn up on the day, show your book on the door, come along, meet me, socialize, we'll network, we'll chat, we'll have some refreshments and I will sign your book for you. I do have limited numbers, so please Please be quick if you do want to uh, attend. Um, I don't want to disappoint anyone and turn people away. But if you are of the latter group where you've already ordered your book, perhaps please drop me a message on Instagram just to say, look, I will be attending on the 25th. But I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you found this useful. It's been very, very useful for me taking this test. A little bewildering. But anyway, (laughs) I will catch you next week. (laughs) 